This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Everybody to yet another episode of Forever Bristol City podcast. We are in joyous mood about the result because at uh, the New York Stadium last night, in front of the uh, Sky cameras, what a game they picked! It finished Rotherham one, City two. So ten games gone, fifteen points on the board, point and a half a game. That's about eighth if you extrapolate it through to the end of the season. Joining me is just you and me this morning, Ian. Ian. Um, you know, I know you were feeling pretty uh, uh, despondent at half-time. It wasn't a spectacle, but in summary, just a quick sort of, uh, at the final whistle, you know, you, you had to be happy with the with the points, yeah? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, the positives from the game was the fact that we won. It was another away win and something that the coaches and Nigel Pearson must be looking at is why we are so successful away, top three, and why we're so unsuccessful at home, bottom four. Yeah. So picked up three points, two goals. Tommy came back. Uh, positive substitutions from Nigel Pearson, actually trying to win the game, which I like. I thought Dickie and Naismith defended really well. And our finishing, when Conway got on the field and we actually created some chances, was clear. Brilliant. The, okay. ne- the, the, ne- the negatives... It was an awful performance for about 80 minutes. Dreadful set pieces, poor service and distribution throughout the first 80 minutes, poor composure in the final third until Conway arrived. We were, as Nigel Pearson said, disjointed. Midfield was appalling to a man. Our distribution from the back was poor. Appalling passing for 80 minutes. Lack quality all over the field, really. And it was low energy, low tempo and... and Lack of control, but there we, we did all that and we won. <laughs> we won. I'm delighted to say we have been joined by uh, Chris Honor. Uh, you've connected with us, Chris. Hopefully, your sound's going to be okay, but you can hear us okay down your end. Yes, yeah, I can hear you perfectly. Thank you. I mean, Ian, Ian pretty much summed up. I asked him for his 30 seconds of the game, and I said to you at half time yesterday, you're uh, summing up, you had it. 
you had it to a T, but um, that was a classic case maybe of writing the reporter's notes, but not realising what was going to happen. Just in a nutshell, how did you rate last night? Well, I've got to agree with Ian. You know, was, there was so much poor football being played. It was it was as if a lot of the lads had left themselves on the team bus. Um, it's a Wednesday night in West Yorkshire, and a few of the lads hadn't really applied themselves properly. Their touch was their touch was wrong. Their passing was poor. Um, their movement wasn't right. Um, Rotherham started really well and we made it a little bit of a battle that doesn't suit us, that suits that suited them. Um, they were getting crosses in, we weren't going with runners. It, it, it just felt, it just it, sent, it seemed like it was just a matter of time in the first 20 minutes that they were going to score from across. Yeah. Uh, you know, Nate Smith, brilliant tackle in the six-yard box after about 10 minutes of the game. Um, as, as Ian again said, some brilliant defending at times, but some of the passing, some of the touch, you know, there was a, I remember one going into Bell and he, he, he tried to just control the ball on the ground and went up, up to his head. And, and then he ended up almost back um, where the pass came from, from Pring. I mean, that's just one example, but it was, it was probably 20 or 30, maybe 20. And we just couldn't find a rhythm at all. There was no, uh, there was no pattern of play, and it, it took us to the second half. I think it was a 70 minutes. I think I texted you, and I was writing all, all my notes <laughs> on texts so I could remember things to say this morning. And um, it was it was massively disappointing. I, I mean, you 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 know you probably mentioned it before I came on, but um, I was away at the weekend, and I I had Robin's TV on, uh, and I was feeling very smug after 20 minutes and I left to go to the beach and um, it was only when I managed to get to the beach that a friend I was meeting told me it was now 2-1 and I thought he was joking and I I was talking to him about the Ryder Cup and um, he kept on talking to me about the football saying um, you're going you're gonna to draw that game and I said don't be silly and then he told me it was 2-2 after the start of the second half and then he reloaded at 3-2 at the end where and I didn't believe him and it was so, you know, my whole weekend was ruined. I still felt really annoyed on come the Sunday evening um, about throwing away three points. But the championship is full of these results. And I sometimes feel as if you've got to be grateful when you go to a place at Rotherham where you don't necessarily deserve and you get, three points. And you get a result. You, I mean, you said to me, you said to me, Chris, they didn't look on it. And you've obviously played the game. They were poor in the sense of giving away a two-goal lead at the weekend. Yeah, is it? It was a collective thing last night as well. I mean, as a player, even in that promotion season of 89 90, you know, were the days where you went out there and for whatever reason, you know, you, you weren't on it? Is it a mental thing? Is it that were they feeling, I think you used the word morale, maybe they'd been dented a bit by what had happened on Saturday, but it was, it was so low key to begin with, wasn't it? I think they had their confidence bruised a little bit after Saturday's game. Um, I, I think a few of them were hiding. I think a few of them were were still reeling from some of the tough words that were probably said in the dressing room. Sometimes it, it's just your your mental state. You can be you can be drained by a result like that, and it's hard to lift yourself up. But I, you know, I was watching that game. There was two players on the other team, um, the, the left back and Rathbone in midfield, who annoyed the living hell out of me. But sometimes, you know, he was digging deep because he knows he's in a relegation battle only 10 games into the season. 
that sometimes that's how you've got to approach the game um, from the off at these horrible places on a wet Wednesday in Yorkshire. I mean, it wasn't blowing a gale. But it didn't. It doesn't look the most attractive place to even with the new most attractive place to go and play. But sometimes you've got to, you've got to focus on the three. You've got to have a little bit of arrogance. Be brave. Be confident. Um, and I just felt that was missing last night. I think there was a yeah. few players high, just just doing enough, but not yeah. enough. You know, enough to hide. So that I, I think I know who you mean there. I think I know who you might mean there without naming names. But we'll come on to that later. Ian, I mean, the team, as we always do in our match review, we look at the team lineup. Um, there was a change. I mean, Taylor Gardner Hickman came in, and Harry Cornick came in for. Uh, Naki Wells. I mean, what did you what did you think about lineup? It does while we've still got these injuries to I'll call it key players. What did you think about that lineup when you saw it uh, an hour before kickoff? Well, it's very predictable, wasn't it? Um, I, Wells hasn't been scoring goals in open play. I know he got one on Saturday, but that uh, that uh, pass from uh, Stokes fullback was probably the best through ball he'll get all season. Um, so you would have backed him to put that in, even if he was completely out of form. Um, but he's cutting a bit of a frustrated figure, Naki. He's still trying, um, but it, there are times when he, he looks like he couldn't hit a cow's backside with a banjo. Uh, so I wasn't surprised that he brought Harry Cornick in. Tanner was injured on Saturday, probably should have been replaced at half time, but wasn't. And that may have aggravated, but apparently Nigel Pearson said they sent him off for a scan. He's had the scan. It's not major damage. He's obviously just twisted it and bruised it a bit. So he may be available for Leeds, but the way that Nigel Pearson was talking, he'll probably be available after the international break. So no, no real, no real surprises. Um, I, I'd have, I'd have gone a lot more, well, I'd say a lot more positive. I'd have played two up top. Yeah. If, if, well, that's eventually how we ended up for part of it. Well, we, it? Yeah. we played Conway just in behind Wells. And those two, as Nigel Pearson alluded to after the game, they like playing together. They're good together. And if you've got smaller, quicker guys, I don't see the point in playing with a with a, with a one. We we haven't got this one. Even I don't think Tommy is an, a, a, a one who's no. a, a back-to-goal player. So I'd play two up top and I'd, I'd go... Well. As I said, we talk about we talk about that when we look forward. I go to go to Leeds positive and try yeah. and win them because they're not in great form at home. No, they're not. They're not they only scraped a one 0 win against QPR. Um, Chris uh, Taylor Garner Hickman. Um, he was released by West Brom, which is quite unusual. And Carlos Corbran allegedly doesn't know what his best position is. Um, how did you rate his performance last night? Because he was on for the full night. Is he a fullback? Is he a midfielder? Based on what you've seen so far, would you be buying him for 1.3 million in the summer, which is the agreed price, if we want to? I, I think I would buy him on the performances that he's put in so far. He's one of those utility players which sometimes works against the player. I mean, I had a, a phase when I was first in the City team um, where they didn't really know my best position. It was probably because I was too young and still learning the game. Um, Hopefully he gets a run in one position um, or another because it, it does affect your game. Yeah, you, you're not you're not mentally prepared, um, and you don't have a run of uh, stability if you're chopping and changing between positions. 
to me, I think he's a right back. I didn't think he did great last night. I, I think he was very exposed by Sykes um, and the two of them didn't work great last night at all. Uh, yeah. Especially the first 20 minutes when all the pressure seemed to come down that left side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I, I really like their fullback, the left back who just... Was that Black? Was it Blackwell or something like that? Or Bramall? Was it Bramall? Bramall, it was Bramall. Well done, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I thought he was excellent. Um, you know, and um, maybe if they had a few quicker, more mobile players than uh, Hugel, um, they, some of those crosses could have been converted. But um, yeah, I, I thought there was a few players, especially in that first 20 minutes, who were missing. And um, he looked a little bit heavy-legged. And that's what happens sometimes when you yeah. end a lot of football. Yeah. Uh, staying with you, Chris, Cornick got a start last night in his, so say, preferred central position. He has his critics. He does remind me of that Steve Jones, who you'll remember at the turn of the century. That sounds a long time ago now, doesn't it? But I thought in the first half, yeah, he was one of the bright sparks coming out of it because at least he showed a little bit of uh, a passion. And his co-strikers, one of the better words, Sykes and Sam, were a little bit wanting, yeah? I, I definitely, I think the two white men were disappointing, especially first half. Cornick gives you um, great effort. You know, he, he's a, he was probably told that he had 60 minutes. Naki was probably coming on with Conway. Um, give us your best shot. I mean, I played in a, a couple of teams where managers didn't know their favoured centre forward and used to go and tell them, right, you've got the shirt for today. Give us your best 60 and then let your mate come on for the last 30. And ironically, it usually used to be the one that came on the last 30 that would score a goal and then start the next game. So there was never any continuity for the forwards. But I, I, I think, I, I think um, um, Cornick's touch could be better. I think he could win a few more headers. I think he could be a bit more brighter getting the ball out of his feet and passing it a little bit earlier. Sometimes he, he gets the ball caught in his feet when he's trying to adjust, his, uh, adjust them to play the pass. But one thing you do get from him is, is tireless running. Um, and, that's what, and that's what you want. I mean, if there's anything it, about his DNA. It's what you want, but you also want a little bit more quality at this level. If we want to go to where we want to go, I want to be... I don't want Bristol City to be um, a holiday camp football club. I'm fed up with watching also Rams come into my club. I want to see a bit of development, to see a bit of progress. Um, uh, he's the right player for the right time. Um, whether he's going to get us into you know the top six, I don't know. But probably not. Probably not. I mean, interesting that we had him. Interesting that we had him, and they had that other ex Luton player from last season's. Uh, uh, Promotion winning team, Onyinya. I've got that pronunciation all wrong, but he was a handful up front in the mould of the big number nine. Um, but moving away from individual players, Ian, um, if you look at um, uh, that first half when it was, it was awful for, I mean, the first 20 minutes, you know, I, I was half tempted to flick across and watch Coronation Street because I didn't, I thought there was rugby on last night because Corrie was on Tuesday. It was on at eight o'clock. But Cal Naismith, now, Against West Brom, he did a tackle right at the end of the game that 50-50, you're going to concede a penalty. Against Leicester, he conceded the penalty. At the weekend, he did a weak header, which put Pring under pressure for that worldy strike. And if you looked at the third goal, he lost his man in midfield and he was 30 yards behind the bloke who put the ball in the back of the net. But last night, 
that tackle that he did, yeah, and I don't know if it was on Hugo, four goals in his three previous games against Bristol City for three separate clubs, a little fact there. That was a good tackle. And, you know, that makes up for all the other stuff or not, in your view. We haven't got much choice at the moment, have we? Well, we haven't, and but no, it doesn't. Um, you can't say I've done one good thing, therefore the five bad things I've done are now forgotten. That's not how it works. So if uh, we had a fully fit squad, I'd, I'd have him playing in midfield. And my back two would, if you're going to play a four, you're, my middle two would probably be Viner and Atkinson or Viner and Dickey. And I thought Rob Dickey had a good game last yeah. night. Uh, Naismith was fine last night. But you do, you know with him that he's always got a mega rick in him, and I think that when you got two players on the left hand side, as we did against Stoke, you got two players on the left hand side in Pring who didn't defend very well on Saturday, and Naismith who didn't defend very well on Saturday. It is a, it becomes a struggle because the opposition would just say, right, we'll get after him, you know, focus on it. The tackle was on Hugo. I think that the last time I remember playing against Hugo, he played for West Brom and scored a hat-trick in that game that was famously Danny Simpson's last game for the club. Not that he played many. But, um, no, I, I think, yeah, I mean, at the moment, we haven't got a great deal of choice unless we bring one of the kids in. Uh, and it probably isn't the best time to do that. No. So we have to persist with that until at least, well, uh, it looks like Rob Atkinson and Zach Reiner will be fit at about the same time. Obviously, Zach's got an advantage that he has um, played a lot this season, so his match fitness will be a lot further on than uh, Rob Atkinson. But this is the problem when you've got a small squad and you get a glut of injuries in one position. Mm. Mm. Chris, in the first half, uh, a game that was refereed by Dean Whitestone, who I believe, I'll stand corrected here, was the referee in the uh, game up at Hull at the start of last season when he gave that penalty that cost us victory or at least a point on the opening day. But there were two a penalty, two a pen, two penalties that looked to have been given. Um, the, there was one, I think, when Dickey was, was grappling going on in the box. But the more blatant one was the foul on, um, uh, on on Sam Bell when he was on the right side of their six-yard area. And the referee, it was the wrong side of the pitch for the linesman, but the referee, um, he was blindsided. He couldn't see the player's arm pulling him down. But what got me, we didn't even appeal. And is it a mental thing that we've given up appealing for penalties because we know we're not going to get them. It's 10 in the last five years, you know, two in the last two and a half. But when you played under Joe, we, there's one thing getting in the referee's face, but if there's a hint of a penalty, if you scream loud enough, you know, are we just sort of shrugging our shoulders and accepting or were they very marginal decisions and I'm grasping at straws with, with both of them? Well, I'm glad I'm not on... BBC Radio doing this thing because I thought the referee was absolutely appalling last night, even before those two decisions. I mean, some of the decisions that were just very basic, as in throw-ins, and some of the fouls that he should have given early on in the game, it played into Robert's hand. There was a lot of pushing, shoving, you know, even at throw-ins down the line, you just saw people just shoving with two hands and there was no decision given. It, it, it suited 
Rotherham's style yeah. because they're very direct. And I'm thinking this referee is a very lenient at this moment in time, and it's hoping it's it's helping the home team. Um, but I was <sighs> the referee. I I don't want to say too much because it gets boring. But you know, I think Bristol City need to be every eleven of those players need to be in the referee's ear from the start of the game because um, you're not going to get anything away from home if you're not saying things to the referee constantly. It doesn't have to be abusive. No. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't want to encourage that because it gets boring and it's not nice for people to watch. But if you're in midfield, it's a really important position just to keep reminding the referee what kind of decisions should be given. And, and that's a big part of, uh, 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 it actually keeps a team together and bonded when things are necessarily going against you. At least you can all have a quiet word and it's, and it's one after another. But I, you know, for me, both decisions were penalties and, you know, they played it over and over at half time on, on Skype because there was not a lot more to show because it was such a poor first half. I mean, and you talk about penalties not given. I mean, on Saturday, even that game, I know you probably didn't see... You know, there was a sight incident. I, I, I saw the forearm smash into Pring's face. I mean, you know, that was just amazing. Blatant, absolutely blatant. You yeah, know, they, never mind the one on Sykes in the first half, which I think you said, Ian, with that one, you didn't think it was, and neither did Neil. But yeah, it was a forearm smash on uh, well, camera. That right? one, that one, just to let you know, that one's gone to the referees' association, the PGMOL, well, and reviewed it and said the referee was right. So well, the, the Pring one, yeah, FFS, goodness yeah, me, absolutely. Now the the problem you've you've got is that referees were all got together and told, look, not you're giving too many free kicks. Not every not every coming together is a foul, right? So if a bloke falls over, don't automatically blow your whistle. Now the good referees got their head around it and thought, yeah, well that's going to let the game flow. It's going to be a lot better. Now, actually, last night, if I said to you how many fouls there were um, at, in total, you wouldn't guess 10, would you, all night? No. Because no, no. how many there were, according to the BBC site, anyway. Go there on. Were, there was, we committed seven, and they got, <coughs> excuse me, they committed three. Oh. Now, now, this is the when you get a referee and he gets that bit of it wrong and he starts not giving blatant fouls, then all it does is make players think, well, <laughs> I might as well grab his shirt and push him in the back because, I mean, he, he ain't going to do anything about it. What you yeah. do, Ian, is you push the boundaries. Yeah. Build, and, and they were a far more physical team than we are. They're at home. They're going to get a, a small percentage of decisions in their favour. Uh, for me, it's just, I mean, there was a period in the second half just before the, you know, the goals started to come and they got throwing after throwing and that was never there. I mean, I can remember Cam Pring in the corner just holding his hands in his head. It was just, yeah. basic. I mean, I know that's the linesman, but it was just. Basic. Well, what about, what about when their player crashed into the goalkeeper and he gave a foul against Sam oh, Bell? Unbelievable. Absolutely. I mean, Sam Bell was... Even he held his hands up not to get involved in the tackle. You know, yeah. it, it was yeah. And I thought Sam Bell could have gone a bit stronger. You know that. You know that's me. Well, that's that. That's that. I mean, you see, it, that, that's that. 
sometimes apathy of, oh, well, it is what it is. You know, you, you want that aggression that's there. Yeah, we picked up bookings last night. Naki, I know BBC side, didn't you? But Naki picked up a booking for dissent, apparently. And if you add that to the one where he kicked the ball away, I mean, those are two silly, unnecessary bookings. But before we wrap up, we'll talk about PGMOL and the VAR incident of the weekend. Let's get into the second half. And God, I felt sorry for Sky trying to make some chat at half time. I thought they'd rerun the uh, piece they did before the game about us winning the Green Award, which I have to say, that piece that they did with Michelle Owen and the lad that does all the green stuff, I thought it was very good. And I'm a little bit of a cynic over stuff like that. But when they said everything that they were doing, I thought that was good. So at least we won something this year. But back to on-the-pitch action. Substitutions came on the the hour or two of them, 66 minutes. Wells coming on for Cornick. And the uh, out-of-control speedboat, Andy Vyman. Um, <laughs> I'll talk about him for that. But those substitutions, predictably, Ian, from your perspective? Because yeah. Sykes was poor. I thought Sykes was very poor last night. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think if you wrote down likely substitutions during the game, you'd always have both wide players coming off because yeah. they normally do, whether they're tired um, or whether they can't last the full game. I'm not sure, although Belly lasted the, uh, almost lasted the full game last night. Um, it, we, we haven't got that big a squad, but I mean, I think some of the some of the substitutions, for example, he, he's got this thing now where he's bringing Vyman on to play on the left wing when he's got Mimetti on the bench, which obviously, if I think if I was Anis Mimetti, I'd be thinking, hang on a minute, do I need to get my agent to have a word? Because I, I seem to be the forgotten man here. Um, and I was going to be the maverick and the one that was going to change stuff. And if any game ever needed a maverick to come on and do something, it was that game last night. Um, but no, I, I think we've got a small squad. We haven't got a great deal of options. At the moment, um, I'm thinking, I don't think Nigel Pearson would do it for a minute, but I'm thinking you could get Byman um, into the side and and give Jason Knight a well-deserved rest. Okay, we'll talk about Knight in a minute. Chris? His touch was, well, all our midfield was poor. He was, was, I thought he was very disappointing last night. We spoke about that. You know, he's, he's just come up from League One football. He might be you know, struggling a little bit. So give him a bit of time on the bench, bring him in as an impact player with 20, 30 minutes to go. And he could, he might be able to change a game. And he's another one mm. who play a number of positions. I mean, he played four different positions for Derby in the last two months of last season, including mm. F wing. Yeah. All right, Chris, you uh, wanted to make a point there. I'm guessing it might've been about Mimetti, but I'd like your assessment on uh, Jason Knight as well. Uh, overall, but uh, what was the point you were going to make when Ian was talking? It was about Mimetti and his... It was about Mimetti, and, and I suppose it's his defensive, defensive frailties is worked against him last night. If you're going to put someone on with a, with a, a lot of energy, um, who will do his defensive duties, will backtrack, um, you're always going to go violent. But Mimetti, for me, um, he is the forgotten maverick. He, he, He's, he's been told to give us an end product and um, he's now got so much going on inside his head. He's not even given us all those silky skills or those step overs and he's not playing. I think he's, not, he's not even playing for the under 21s occasionally, is he? He's just sat on the bench. So he, 
so what will happen over a period of time if we don't start playing him and we've got to get him on that pitch and give him some confidence is he'll just drift and he'll get lost in his own uh, in his own little bubble of um, uh, he'll start feeling sorry for himself and and if he, he honestly I was so excited when he first came to the club after Semenya left um, I thought he was he was the one that was going to take over that kind of flying mantle uh, which Sam Bell's taken over but um, for me, Mameti has got too much going on between his ears at the moment. He's been told that he needs to give us an end product. He needs to stop giving, you know, you know, ha- having too many touches on the ball. He needs to make sure that his final pass finds its destination. And he's thinking about the game too much and nothing's happening for him. So, but going back to last night, I wasn't surprised he didn't come on. Although, as, as Ian said, if I had an agent or... Um, I was brave enough. I'd go and knock on the manager's door and ask him what what, what was going on and why I'm not playing. Mm. You you said there about his defensive duties. I mean, in that respect, do you think um, Sam Bell does enough to help Cam Pring and Mark Sykes does enough to help George Tanner? Well, especially not last night. I mean, there was a time that Bell got switched to the right side after substitution, and then the next thing, Hickman was Gardner Hickman was being exposed because um, he had tracked back on that side, and then Roberts done it on the other side for the goal. So, and Roberts is more defensive-minded. So, too many substitutes for me upsets the balance of any game. It takes a couple of minutes to get focused, yeah. get involved. Yeah. You know, you'd expect players to be watching the game from the bench and, and focused and knowing what their teammates are doing. But it, it isn't until you're out on the pitch and your heart rates up and your concentration is flowing that you're actually making a contribution. Sometimes with all these amount of subs, I, I, I personally think five subs is too many. Yeah. Um, and talking about subs, and I know it's reflecting back on Saturday, what did you think of bringing on four after 54 minutes? On Saturday? Hmm. I didn't see Saturday. That was, that was so... Ian, you tell me, I, I just... Well, we took, we won't we won't dwell on that again because we spoke about it. It was Nigel doing it very early on in the second half on match. But let's look at the positives of last night. Just when you're sitting there thinking, "Oh my God, it's going to be a poor draw," and you're going to watch Coronation Street on plus one or whatever else is uh, is coming on. 81 minutes, two minutes after he's uh, come on, Ian, you talk us through uh, Tommy Conway's first because I I I've called this episode. Champions League goals, Conference League performance. But take us through Tommy's goal because it was, you know, he's going to be the next export going out of here to build the nest egg, isn't he? Well, it was a great diagonal ball out to, uh, sorry, a good, a good ball down the line. That was the second goal I was going to talk about then. Good ball down the line. I think it was Naismith. Played the ball high yeah. down the line. Now, he tried that a few times earlier on, but there was nobody making the run into that channel. You had Sam Bell with more or less stood out there but Conway does that he, he, he gets into the channel he runs wide now as the ball came forward I don't know where Naki gave the defender a little nudge but the defender got stuck under the ball so he jumped up to try and head it and the ball just went over his head um, now uh, Tommy Conway reacted first got into a wide area and he came into the box from the left and then took us, it was a fantastic, it was, I mean, you couldn't even call it a chance. It was a fantastic right foot shot across the keeper. And you, I mean, you don't save that with two keepers. So. Well, he rifled it in, didn't he? The amount of power that he got. Oh, in yeah. I mean, you, you're not, I don't think anybody would have saved that. Um, so, 
Uh, and we've, we've got a note come up from Dave first. The defender just mistimed it. So Naki, Naki didn't shove him. So, you know, we got a bit of luck there, didn't we? He's just jumped this time. The ball ball goes over his head and there we are. And, and that's what you get when you've got a forward like Conway on and you've got Naki up there as well. And you're putting the team under pressure. They haven't got the time to play out like millionaires. They're thinking, oh, no, he's running in behind me. And oh, he, that little bloke's over there and he scores goals. Good yeah. man, it? And by the time you thought about all that, they're away and they've done something. So great strike. Couldn't, um, you know, couldn't fault it. And to be let's be honest, Tommy came on after, with 11 minutes of the game to go and he was man of the match. Yeah. So well, he bound to be. He bound to be. Everything you want to know about that game, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, Chris, how did you see that goal? I mean, it was a goal that uh, Bob Taylor in his prime would have been uh, proud of, wasn't it? Oh, David, that, that goal was just absolutely brilliant. It, it was so out of keeping with the rest of the game, wasn't it? He just... <laughs> the way he hit the ball was, was everything. It was perfect. The angle, the weight... The ferocity of it was just brilliant. It was a brilliant finish. Honestly, it just... I, I almost was stunned when the net rippled at, at home on the sofa. I, I just thought, that guy is something else. Um, if you're if you're a, 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 a... I mean, you're on people's radar now, but you're looking at that goal, and that is that is a standout goal, isn't it, really? That people are going to think, think that, he's, he's back. I think that goal would have followed me around for a few years. I mean, that is just a brilliant finish. And the second one was... was well, come, come on to that in a second. It, it, with you, Chris. But that he, that was, honestly, the first goal. If he scores a better goal in his career, um, just for the way he hit it, uh, well, it, in such a poor game, it just stands out like a beacon. Yeah, he said it was probably the best strike. They quizzed him on the Sky after the game and he said probably the best goal, the best strike he's ever got. Maybe not the most important, but, well, we, it was integral to getting three points. But sticking with you, Chris, you know, less than five minutes later and it's back to one all. Shitty goal to concede, I have to say. And, uh, you know, nobody, nobody on Blackett totally unmarked. And there's Vyman... Three yards away. I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not a Vyman fan, but I put that one down to him in terms of shoddy marking on the edge of the box, and then, and then, and then Max got criticised as well. So, how did you see it? Oh, it was terrible. Um, yeah, Vyman was off wandering about the clearance up the field. He was just not, not engaged at all defensively. The ball was still, you know, Rathbone played the ball inside uh, Roberts. Uh, the fullback crossed it, called it back. It was a decent finish. He hit it hard enough. Max couldn't see a, see the ball through a load of bodies, but Byron was to blame as much as anyone else. Well, Dave Febs, as Jess said on here on the text feed, not not Vyman's man. I'd ask the question then, Dave, who should have been marking the centre? Who should have been the centre half? Who should have been marking that um, that that particular player? I, 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 I'm sorry, Dave. I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm going to disagree with you because if you're a midfield man, you open up your body and you see who's available, um, who needs to be picked up, and you react to a hell of a lot. He was on the box, he was on the edge of the box for several seconds, and Byman was more worried about getting up the field when we when we were defending something, and he should have slotted in really quickly. Um, well, the, that, was, the other... that was painful. That was absolutely painful after that brilliant goal. I, yeah. Again, I, I, I was. You know, talk about frustration on the sofa. My God, that was painful. Yeah. 
Well, we weren't mothering the goal, to use Gary's favourite phrase out. Ian, go on, what was your point? Jason, come to you anyway. Well, I noticed earlier on from a, a long throw that Jason Knight was, was marking Blackett, which seems like a physical mismatch to me. Um, so, I, and we've seen it before. Um, we, we've seen it before with when you had things like, uh, I remember Hando Masengo was marking uh, Mitrovic. At Fulham, it's you know it's just it's daft, isn't it? You you you're not going to uh, compete physically with that guy. And I thought, in fairness to our defenders last night, the central defenders, they competed well physically because Hugh Gill's a handful. He's not a brilliant footballer, uh, which is why he's played the level he's played. And when he moved up yeah. a level, he just did. It was West Ham, wasn't it? He just didn't. So oh, he was he was a ridiculous fit for West Ham, wasn't he? Yeah, and um, but Dave's made another. King and Roberts didn't communicate for the ball down the line. Um, no, that's quite right. I mean, Roberts hadn't been on the field very long, but he was ball watching uh, for for their goal. Uh, the, the the cross that come in, so it, it was. And and the shot, I thought Max could have done a lot better um, with the uh, with the cross uh, with the shot. I don't know. It seemed to get a deflection. I don't know if it's Dicky or somebody else tried to dive in front of it. Whether he, he was, and Max was going backwards as well. well it, it was almost as if he was going to save something and then something, whether it was deflected. Now, I didn't yeah. see it. Um, I didn't see a clear. Sometimes you see a deflection and you think, well, he had no chance. He's going yeah, to yeah, yeah. Interesting here. We've got, we've got Tomo and uh, Dave Fevs both trying to exonerate Vyman as an individual and putting it down to lots of players at fault, says Dave, for the goal that was conceded. I just want to backtrack on Mometi because you were saying, Chris, that he'll disappear. And I'm thinking of players. It's back in the day when we had clubs in the bag. And I remember Mo Issa, he came to us with a decent scoring record. But do either of you go, who was a guy, who was a lad that we got from Scunthorpe that had been one of their top players, another winger? And I want to call him Anions, uh, Adelakan. That's right. Remember him? Adelakan. Adelakan. He came from Scunthorpe with a decent track record and never seen again. But there we go. Anyway, so the board's up. It's 1 1, five, six minutes of added time. Yeah, Chris cleaning his camera lens there. Six minutes of added time. And in the fifth one of those uh, six, um, his first goal was good, Chris, but his second goal wasn't too shabby either, was it? No, brilliant finish. He just helped it on the way with a little flick of, flick of the ankle, really, and just helped it round the corner into the, the bottom right-hand corner. Um, yeah, very athletic. He got up in the air. He got in front of his man. Great run. He knew Andy King was crossing the ball. And um, he made that that little fox in the box run um, to the near post. And um, yeah, the kid has got everything. It, it, it just goes to show. It it just goes to show what we. It just goes to show what we're missing. Um, yeah, but he's back. He's back. Uh, and he's when more, he did that flick, I mean, it could have gone. It just crept in the post, just like his shot did. It crept in. I mean, they, they that could have gone the other side, but maybe that's a mark of his quality that he knew exactly what he was doing when he connected with that ball, didn't he? Oh, absolutely! No, no, no. He, he, you know, that was deliberate. He's not. He's not trying to go near post. He's deliberately gone for the far post. And um, I think there were some comparisons, wasn't there, with uh, another famous goal um, of Ibrahimovic, when how he helped helped on in a famous game himself. So 
uh, yeah, that was a that was a great goal, and um, he celebrated as. Big. I was just going to say, I was going to say that to Ian. Ian, I, you can't fault. Never mind how they played. What well, I say, never mind. That sort of brushing that performance under the carpet. But there's a good spirit there. I mean, Tommy looked really happy. Andy King had been provider there. You can't say Nigel hasn't built a collegiate collective approach to on the field and as a group. Would you would you agree with that, Ian? And the goal, your take on the goal. Well, terrific ball from Taylor Gardner Hickman, who found himself in what may be, because at the moment I'm with Carlos Corbran on the boy. I don't really know what his best position is. I haven't really seen him play enough. I would rather have, uh, on what I've seen, I'd probably rather have George Tanner it right back. I think he gives you more defensively, whereas Gardner Hickman gives you a little bit more <clears throat> going forward. He can take a set piece. Uh, I've seen some clips of him where he can actually shoot as well. Um, but I'd like to see him being given a go in central midfield. Um, I, I think he's a, um, or you could even, you know, I'm, I'm doing the, the thing again about what you can do with a player. He, he could even play on the right side if Mark Sykes is out want a less attacking <coughs> in front of George Tanner and that would stop our fullbacks getting exposed it would also mean I think that our fullbacks could actually be a bit more confident in getting forward because at the moment I think they're terrified that if they go forward and get beyond the winger and it breaks down there'll be no cover behind them and yeah, I think that's, that's a great point and that's an that's advocate that's changing the system in, isn't it well, yeah, but sometimes you have to... I mean, for example, at, away from home, I think Nigel Pearson uh, could say, I'm not changing anything. Look look how well we're doing. We're joint third best team in the championship away from home based on results. That's a fact. Now, we're the 21st best team at home. Now, I'd love to hear his take on why that is. You know, there are all sorts of theories. I think a lot of it's to do with when we have too much possession, um, where we we sort of we 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 tend to not know what to do with the ball because we haven't got a Tinian or a Hartley or a Gary Shelton or somebody that's a bit you know it's a bit clever, going to play an unusual pass, little tuck ball or something like that. We haven't got that player. Um, the midfielders. Uh, I think Jason Knight can shoot, but he's not getting in great positions. He's got a touch of the Andy Bymans, the chaotic thing when he's in the final third. And he, he just needs a good measure of calmness because he's got it. You can see he's got it. It's not like he can't. Yeah. You know, as I said to you earlier, Dave, we've had players over the 50 odd years we've been supporting this club. We've had players down here who struggle to kick it in the right direction. Um, so I, I played with a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember that, Chris. But, but it, you know, and I looked at and some of those lads you never believe, but they were actually quite popular with the fans because everybody just laughed at them. And well, but they had the effort. They had the effort. No, they that's had a, a lot of effort. That's, but, what Bristol, you know, that's what a Bristol fan likes. Is you know we like. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not effort. being. But people looked at him and thought, well, look, the kid can't do it. They've picked him in the side again. Why have they picked him? give a young lad a go or something like that, but he's picked him again and look out, you know, and people would laugh about it to an extent. Um, we're not like that now. You know, we've got guys who I've seen play and they can play. They can play a bit. That's the key thing. They can play a bit. Um, 
uh, keen to move on because we're all a bit busy this morning. Chris, that's a block of 10. Yeah. I, you know, it's one and a half points a game, you know, four wins, three defeats, three draws. Yeah. I mean, it's a decent start. Is it a B plus, a B or a B minus in your book if we're looking in blocks of 10? Um, for me, they, I mean, look at the table last night. It's fascinating, isn't it? it, it there's a couple of clubs that are, are really doing well, the Ipswich and the Leicesters. And then there's a couple below. And there's about... There's, there's two points separating fifth from 16th, I think it is, yeah? Yeah, I was about to say there's 40 teams on the same points almost, isn't there? One point gets you in the playoff from where we are. You know, it's, yeah. it's just, it's consultina dark, it's nice and tight. It just goes to show the championship, if you put a run of consistency together, you're up there. Um, and, and that's what makes Saturday's results so disappointing. Because yeah. you can't throw... Listen... Um, Away games are, are your bonus points. You know, you've got to win at home. You've got to get the fans behind you. You've got to make Ashton Gate a fortress. You've got to be presuming that you're going to pick up three points each each week there. And your away points are just a bonus. At the moment, we're the opposite way around. So, you know, <laughs> I know we, we touched on it just then, but it's really important that we win our home games and we're a little bit more consistent there because that's what will take us up the league. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, five points out of our 15 from five home games, it's not very good. And as I say, if we'd have beaten Preston, for instance, OK, we were well beaten by Birmingham. Or if we'd have, you know, kept it at two all or hung on to that 2-0. Well, if we'd have hung on to that 2-0 lead, you know, and just won, we'd have been right up there, you know. But, um, Ian, what, what, what's, you know, 10 games in, I think Saturday's more of a natural break because 11 games is pretty much a quarter of the season. And it's a tough one because if you go to Leeds and you get, well, you go to Leeds and you get a win, then that puts us on, what would that put us on? On 18, yeah? That's 70, multiplied by four, 72 points. You go and you get a loss, it's that eighth, ninth and tenth. Is that is that us as a team now, an eighth, ninth and tenth position? I think if we had everyone fully fit and in form, and that's never going to happen. But let's just let's play a little bit of let's pretend uh, we've got a top 10 squad. Yeah. Uh, when you get the players back and if you look at the, the, the players out at the moment, there are five injured. Um, uh, if you said, well, if we could get Atkinson, Viner and McCrory. McCrory back and McCrory was the guy that Pearson said was going to play right back. Yeah. So if you got those back. And then you can move players to where they're best. I still think Naismith's best in, in, in a holding midfield okay. role. Um, so you've got a top 10 squad. But the problem is we've always got between four and six injured. And, and we but at have, the moment, Ian, we've got players that uh, would be first picks for the 11th. Well, that, was the, that was the case last season when we had players like Matty James out with a foot injury and various other things like that. So I think we've got to find... Um, the right shape, the right balance at home to um, to ensure that when we do have a bit more possession or if a side sits in, uh, and I don't think, to be honest, when I looked at Stoke, I don't think they particularly sat in um, where we can press our advantage home, but stop sides um, get, grabbing goals back. That 
it, it, it's just it's that it's that balance and i think some of it you know i look at the side sometimes and i think when leicester or ipswich go somewhere or have a home game they believe that they'll win they act the players you can see absolutely yeah. believe it i don't think all of ours do no no I think and they, they believe in themselves it's been, that home for it's me has been a problem for about I would say for four years because we've been consistently better away from home for the last four. Chris, you were going to make a point there. Well, it's funny, you know, considering we were two 0 up on Saturday, off the back of a brilliant defensive performance at Leicester, where you know if it wasn't for you know a penalty decision, you thought I personally thought Bristol City were going to you know just just finish that game off, just just enjoy the uh, two 0 lead at. Ashton Gate and and put in a performance which may have led led to three and four goals, but you know to to concede three sloppy goals, I from what they've been described to me as and some of the you know the way I've seen them in the highlights was massively disappointing. Yeah. You can't afford to do that at home. The fans the fans are your bread and butter. You've got to get those fans on side. You've got to get them through the turnstiles. And at the moment, we're just not doing it. We're just not giving them fans what they. But we are being well supported through the the club is being well supported. You know, consistently. When you think only about five, six years ago, we were getting gates of fifteen or sixteen. This the level of attendances at Ashton Gate are better than they were when we were in the equivalent of the Premier League forty-three years ago. If you ever been to B and Q on a Saturday, that's why I go to Ashton Gate most Saturdays. Um, Chris, if come January we are, and we could talk at length uh, about the way the club is approaching things at the moment, and I'm talking about the level up from Nigel, as he tends to refer to it, but come come January, if we're two points off the playoffs, as we are now, but half the season has gone, a lot of people were saying with the Scott money, nobody was expecting 10, 15 million of it to be spent. We were expecting a couple more McCrory, um, Knight type of signings. Do you think they'll relax the purse strings in Jan if we're there or thereabouts with players back from injury? If you were going to, will we spend the money, Chris? And if you were going to spend 4 million in Jan to give us that extra impetus, where would you spend it? What area of the pitch would you spend it? Um, I think the, the, the team always has to evolve. Every window that opens, they're only open every six months. If there's a player that's available, coming to an end of his contract and it's the right player and they've done all their due diligence, then you have to snap a player up. For me, I would definitely go for another centre forward. Um, I, I think we're, we're light up there with Cornick. Wells and Conway only goes to show what happens when one of them's injured or struggling. Um, I would probably go for uh, another midfielder, and obviously, depending on um, it's hard because we've got two centre halves out injured at the moment, you might need another one there, you know, yeah. and that's the spine of the team. But uh, listen, it, it's, 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 it's a squad in progress, we've got a very small squad in comparison to. Um, some of the bigger teams in the league. Uh, but, you know, going back to, again, what Ian was saying, you as a manager, you've almost got to expect that four to six players are going to be out at any one time during any season. And it happens to every club. Yeah. You know, you, 
you, you walk into any medical room and there's always four to six players out injured. Yeah. Um, and you just got to pray they're not in the same position because it can leave you really empty in those. Uh, and that's what happened last season with Andy King playing at centre half. I mean, Ian, do you, do you think in Jan, if we're where we are now, there might be a relaxation of the purse strings at all? Or do you think we're just going to view this uh, a season of consolidation? I mean, it's interesting. The first 10 games of Nigel's three complete seasons in charge that we're into now, we've got 13, 14 and 15 points after 10 games in each of the last three. You know, is the, do you think if we're where we are at the turn of the year, Nigel should be offered a contract extension yeah i meant to ask chris that but we'll pass on that until next time but in your position ian what do you feel if 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 what you're saying is if we're a point off the playoffs at christmas january no because you get the christmas new year games out of the way end of the when the window opens right first yeah. week of jan well january yeah. the first day yeah yeah well do i do i think if we were a point off the playoffs do i think money would be available yes I think Steve Lansdowne would relax the purse strings uh, a bit. Um, he's got a few issues at the moment with uh, planning permission and uh, judicial reviews, and he's trying to build 510 houses in a field to fund the development of the sporting quarter, which has just been put on hold. Um, so at the moment, he's got a lot, of, um, a lot of irons in the fire when it comes to spending money. Uh, but if we're a point off the playoffs come the 1st of January, it would be ridiculous not to make some key signings to strengthen the team, even if they were only loans. So you can yeah. spend an amount of money for the last three, four months of the season and say, right, you can go out and bring in two or three top quality. And they have to be top quality, not, you know, another one from the bottle, as Mourinho said. They have to be top quality sign-ins that are going to... They're going to walk into the side and make a difference, is what you're saying. Yeah, it, right. it's like I said to you the other week, Dave, when you're saying, well, you know, you can't really drop Joe Williams and you can't really drop Matty Well, Jeff. I didn't say that. I've never said you can't. Uh, wait a minute, you did. And if you remember, I said to you, well, OK, then, so if we could get, uh, coming back from injury, Kevin De Bruyne on loan, would you play him? And you said, well, well yeah, I'd play him. So... That's the point. It, they have to be a player that comes in and you think, oh, blimey, he's good. And we've had it with loan players before where they come in and they're just, well, they're about 15, 20% better than the lads here. You know, if you could get, you said about a number nine, if you get Tammy Abraham back, I mean, what a sign in. So, well, he was, he was. Yeah, that's it. That's yes, the but, best, that's the best that's, indication. That's but, the best that, indication of that. That's, that's what I think we need to take us to the next level and yeah. it depends once again who's fit because we might get to a situation where the defenders are back but we haven't got any midfield players yeah um, no you're right yeah you're absolutely right what what do you need well we need what we currently haven't got and i just think i've been saying it for a long time and i'll keep saying it the squad needs to be a little bit bigger to yeah. allow for the injuries yeah That's what i'm saying i'm not talking about 40 players like it was under Lee Johnson. I'm talking about another three. I was just going to say that number to take the selectable squad up to uh, 30. Right. Uh, yeah. Just to, to wrap up uh, uh, with with uh, you both, or Prince, I know you've got to get away very shortly, Ian, but Chris, first of all, 
PGMOL, Professional Game Match Officials Limited, VAR uh, at the weekend, you know, it brought its inadequacies or everything into sharp focus, the Spurs-Liverpool game, Jurgen Klopp saying the game should be replayed. Everybody's heard the tapes now. I'm surprised that that has been put in the public domain, but it shows a lack of professionalism or concise communication. I mean, what, what do you think of that whole episode that's gone by this weekend? Well, it's thrown the officials under a bus, hasn't it, by releasing that information. I think that, was, that wasn't necessary. Um, it, it, it gives everyone a, a massive talking point around the game. Um, and, and again, people in authority have had their, had their, um, their positions exposed. For me, I am so grateful the championship doesn't have the AR. I, I think, I think you know, regardless of those silly decisions last night by by the referee, which there was far too many. Um, I love the championship the way it is, and I, you know, and I, I don't, I didn't want VAR from day one. I've had loads of conversations with friends about it, probably with you guys as well. Um, I just think it is, it slows the game up. It's painful. Um, and it's it's not it's not great it's not great but those decisions over the weekend we're talking about millimeters you know the game the game is meant to be played to the naked eye it's meant to be at the speed it's at it, do you know what there's been mistakes made by officials over the years and you know Jurgen Klopp asking for the game to be replayed um, he needs to wind his neck in and get over himself really yeah. Ian, your take on it? And we talk about mistakes. Do you remember that Leeds-West Brom game right about 1969 when, uh, was it West Brom broke away and clearly offside, you know, and that probably, maybe that was the year, was it, that Leeds lost the championship to Derby? Well, um, I, we can fight. well, how about the time down at Ashton Gate when Palace had the ball in the net and the referee didn't give the goal? Yeah. So, and, and that guy's still refereeing in the Premier League. So the way I see it, I don't think there's anything wrong at all with the system itself. It's a piece of IT, right? The problem is people that can't draw a straight line. In fact, they don't even need to draw it. Um, they showed what happens yesterday, and you, you get a whole number of lines moving up the pitch like that. And when one touches the player closest to the goal's foot it stops so you can see who's closest to the goal they saw that on saturday and still still two of them gave the wrong decision well they got they were they were it was a, i think saturday was a, a lack of uh it was poor communication it no was it wasn't dave it was, a, it was a lack of ability uh, these guys you saw the referee last night right now, if I couldn't referee a game better than that, I'd pack up refereeing. Mm. Because, you know, there, there were two blatant penalties that with VAR would have been given. No doubt about it. They'd have both, the, the Dickey wrestled to the floor and um, Sam, to, or whatever his name was, dragging back. I mean, he had Sam Bell, he had both arms round his waist. Yeah. Absolute bear rug. Now, if you're looking at that as a referee and thinking, well, I don't know. It's a, it's a, no, that's a penalty, mate. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to pull no. something sure. You're not no. allowed to get them in headlock, right? Yeah. You're not allowed to do any of that shit. If, it, if you are allowed to do it, you better show me the referee in manager. Yeah. 
manual, a coaching manual where it says it. So I, I, I like Chris and I respect Chris's opinion. I can see it from both sides. Um, but unlike Chris, I would have VAR in the championship. Um, and I do expect the officials to get it right. And in order to do that, sometimes they need to take an extra minute, right? Take an extra minute and get it right rather than rush it and get it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my take on it, just to wrap up, uh, is that... Oh, sorry, you know, by the way, I agree that uh, the game shouldn't be replayed because if... Yeah, you, no, it shouldn't because it's a can of worms. It's just a oh, can you, of Oh, you open up a... You know, you're going yeah, it, It's not even a can of worms. Somebody said it's a vat of worms if you do it. My take on it is that Saturday, you know, it was lack of communication because VAR said it was a goal, but they didn't realise the goal and they didn't pull the game back because the laws of the game were... You could, it, you know, as Chris said, you know, maybe it wasn't the easiest thing to do for the people involved to have that transcript released. No, Dave, the, that, the that's, that's people, I've seen it a, a lot over the years, not just in football, but in business, where people get overly concerned about the process, yeah, forget what they're, what they're trying to achieve. So yeah. what's the end game? The end game is to get the decision right. Get the decision right. I mean, my take on all of it is I probably, I probably won't be allowed. I, I won't be allowed to see this, but I would say, well, hopefully I'm 67 now. But I would say within 25 years, if you look at the way automation is going, football will still be played by people, but the referee could easily, when you look at what some of these robot things are capable of doing now, the referee could be a robot and in his in his head he would have all the cameras angles all the sensors and everything and you could see matches being refereed by robot referees who would have everything at their disposal that's maybe a little bit bold statement to make but i've just made it there we go mm -hmm. um, we'll be doing our leads review on sunday morning i think more likely than the saturday evening so sunday morning doing this live chris thanks for coming and uh joining us and giving your as ever erudite views i love the text you were sending me last night that was on there you know i could have made a match report out of all of uh, that but it's been great to have you on ian uh, good to have you on as always and uh, everybody who's been listening on this uh, live stream great and everybody who listens to the download thanks a lot for your support all the best everybody. Bye -bye. yeah cheers what if i've been unlucky really i ain't got a thing there's a time i always feel happy as happy as a king when the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When Rivers Robbins are ba ba bobbing along. When Rivers Robin comes ba ba bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, 
love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red robin starts bobbing along. It's the 90th minute, all your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times delivery and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.